Apple's newest line of Macs running its own custom-designed M1 chip begs the question, what happens with Intel? I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is resident big brain and expert on all things technical, Stephen Shanklin. Welcome, Stephen. Hi, hi. So Apple developing its own M1 chip to power Macs marks the start of a breakup with Intel, which really in- Intel processors have long powered MacBooks uh, for more than a decade, it's probably a decade and a half. So how bad is this for Intel? It's modestly bad. So in the short run, it's not a big deal. They'll start to lose some sales because Apple will start selling MacBooks with its own processors, but it's still selling a lot of Macs with Intel chips. And Apple, while a very prominent company, is you know a small, smallish part of Intel revenue. So, kind of at first glance on paper, it's not that big a deal. But reputation, it's a big problem. And would you say the breakup just started? Well, in the marketplace, when you're buying something, it just started. But really, this breakup started years ago when Intel failed to improve its manufacturing, to modernize its chips, to make it fast, make them faster. So really this has uh, been going on for, for quite a while. This is just sort of the public manifestation of the breakup. So really this is emblematic of deeper problems at Intel. Well, that, that's a great segue because I, I wanted to ask if there was anything that Intel could have done to avoid this scenario, or was this always in the cards? I don't think it was inevitable. I think that if Intel had continued with its TikTok approach that it had a few years ago, where it improved the architecture of its chips one year, and then it improved the manufacturing the next year, and then improved the architecture, and then improved the manufacturing. It was going on okay for a while. It did that, and it it kept its competitiveness. And if it had continued to do that, Apple might still be selling Intel-based Macs. But one of the big things that happened a few years ago was Apple acquired a chip design company called PA Semi that started designing its iPhone processors, and it's been improving the performance and the abilities of those chips steadily for several years. So even if Intel had been more capable with its manufacturing and it stayed more competitive, Apple no doubt would have looked at its own in-house chip expertise and abilities and said, hmm, you know, we seem to be on a pretty good run here. And doing chips in-house saves Apple a lot of money. Analyst estimates I've seen are probably about $100 to $200 per laptop compared to buying Intel chips. So there's a huge financial incentive for them to bring that in-house. But the other point is there's this so-called Cook Doctrine named after Tim Cook, which states that Apple wants to control the most important fundamental parts of its technology. And there's a you know, few things more important and fundamental than a processor. You know, it's the processor, the operating system, things like the App Store and all kinds of control points for Apple, but the processor is really important. So bringing the M1 chip into the Macs really gives Apple a lot more control over its future. So even if Intel had stayed more competitive, it still seems quite possible that Intel would have lost this business. Got it. And you talked about Apple being, you know, a small market, small, relatively small contributor to Intel's revenue. It accounts for about seven and a half percent of the PC market, as of uh, according to IDC, the last the last quarterly results. Uh, but obviously, this is a big perception issue for Intel. I'm just curious what the impact is on the broader PC market. If other PC makers are going to look at what Apple is doing. Uh, and either follow suit or at least consider these kinds of mobile processors that Intel doesn't make. 
Well, here's the funny thing. In, in a lot of ways, uh, the Intel-based PC makers, Dell, HP, Lenovo, those folks actually already are ahead of Apple. They've already been offering PCs with ARM-based processors built by Qualcomm. But here's the deal. Those chips are not particularly fast. In fact, they're pretty lackluster. So those are kind of an, uh, not a high priority model for most of those guys. Intel still rules, rules the roost. What Apple is showing here is that you can get a much more reasonable balance of performance and battery life. So the way I see it is Apple's move could potentially embolden Qualcomm. It could embolden PC makers. Microsoft has, uh, uh, you know, Microsoft likes these ARM-based PCs. It could help push the future in that direction. They don't really have the processing horsepower to do that yet. Now, maybe in a year or two or three, Qualcomm will start offering more powerful parts or somebody else will start doing it, or maybe even another Intel competitor like AMD could potentially get excited about this. It's not clear to me, but it, there, this could embolden the other parts of the PC world to move this direction, but they really don't have the technology pieces in place right now for that to happen anytime soon. So you talked about in your story, the, the various problems that Intel faces, and you actually make the point that Apple breaking up with Intel or going through this breakup isn't even the biggest problem facing Intel. What, what, is, what is the thing that keeps them up at night? Manufacturing problems. So for years, Intel has failed to modernize its chip manufacturing. And this was a competitive edge that Intel had for decades over other chip makers. It's one of the reasons that it is one of the three remaining big companies that manufactures chips, along with Samsung in South Korea and TSMC in Taiwan. So Intel, this was, you know, this is the company that whose co-founder coined the term Moore's Law, or it's named after him, Gordon Moore. They were, this was a core part of their reputation was being out on the cutting edge of processor manufacturing. And they really dropped the ball starting about five years ago. And it's been excruciatingly painful for them internally and for their reputation to watch TSMC and Samsung get ahead of them in manufacturing. And that isn't just a reputation issue. It's a problem because chip progress means you shrink the size of the electronic components, the transistors on a processor. And that means you can squeeze more processor, excuse me, squeeze more transistors onto a processor economically, which means you can make a chip do more stuff. You can have more cache memory, you can accelerate AI, you can accelerate graphics, you can just do all kinds of more stuff. That's what Apple has been doing with its iPhone processors every year. It's been introducing a new, more capable processor. Intel has been stuck with its old processors. And so that's been really crippling for them and moving to the new manufacturing processes. They've continued to stumble and uh, most recently, in their most recent earnings, their new server chip that was supposed to arrive this year, well, it turns out that's going to arrive next year. So there continue to be problems. And if if Intel could get that manufacturing back on track, it would be in a much better position. Everything else would go much more smoothly. But having that foundational technology problem, it's really crippling for them. That is fascinating because what happened five years ago, because as you said, they've, they've long been on the cutting edge of manufacturing techniques and processes, uh, and they, they have ceded a lot of their market share to TM, TSMC specifically, the Ta Taiwan Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Corporation. Uh, what happened in that span that, that had them sort of drop the ball with manufacturing? 
Well, here's here's the tricky thing about manufacturing chips. The circuitry elements on these chips are measured in nanometers, which is a billionth of a meter, which is a really small number. I mean, there are, I can't remember, something like 7,000 transistors would fit across the width of a human hair. The things we're talking about here are extraordinarily small. You can't even see them with a regular microscope. And so it's just an incredible constellation of challenges to miniaturize this stuff. You have to have so much materials science expertise. You have have to have so much complicated manufacturing equipment, and it's really just not easy. And you know, everybody has been uh, has had problems manufacturing processors over the years. And I hesitate to say that Intel got complacent, but they they just didn't have the right pieces in place to shrink from one generation to the next. And I think probably some of it was denial and and arm waving. Nobody wanted to admit that there was a real serious problem, but at some point it really does become obvious. They've had management changes. They're under a new CEO now. Perhaps they will get this fixed up, but that even, even the, you know, addressing the situation still takes years. So I guess ultimately where does Intel go from here? Well, they do have a lot of assets, so they have a lot of money. They still are a profitable business. They can acquire new companies. They have done that, in fact, in the, in the past to try to capture new work that people are doing on computers like uh, AI machine learning workloads. They've done a, a few of those acquisitions. They also have still a very big PC chip business, a very big server chip business. So despite all their problems, they have uh, you know, still very, they still sell an awful lot of chips. And it's not easy to switch off of one family of chips and move to another. There's a lot of technology down from low-level stuff like uh, operating systems and utilities that manage things, how things work, all the electronics in the server in a, in a PC. It's not easy to just snap your fingers and make that change. Apple can do it faster because it controls so much of its own technology stack, but a lot of other companies out there can't necessarily move that fast. So there's a lot of momentum there that keeps people uh, buying Intel chips. Uh, so they have momentum on their side as well. And I would also add that they actually have been, over the last couple of years, they have a new philosophy, the six pillars, they call it. One pillar is processor manufacturing, but there are a lot of other things in there, including security and high-speed interconnects between different electronic elements. So there are a number of other things they're emphasizing, which I actually think is a pretty smart play because uh, they don't want to be just a low-level component supplier. They want to supply a much uh, broader set of technologies. And since they do still have a pretty strong customer base, they have some flexibility to basically package themselves as a as a higher-value company, not just a component supplier. So I do think their reputation has taken a hit. I think most consumers these days don't really care what processor is in their laptop or their phone as long as it works well. The days are gone where they get some big value out of seeing an Intel inside sticker on the front of their laptop. Uh, but Intel still definitely has a, a big chance to sell a lot of the technology that shows up in your laptop or in the uh, Google data center providing you services like Gmail or Google Photos or whatever it is. So there's still a lot of opportunity out there for Intel. Well, thanks for your time, Shanklin. You can check out his story and his breakdown of this whole drama 
on CNET.com. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or send me a text message by signing up at 646-461-4291. Also, please subscribe and rate the show. It really does help us out. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.